Scott, I wanted to start by asking you about a pro's approach to physical upside. When the tape shows a lot of need for development, but the testing numbers suggest exceptional potential, what is the process like to balance out physical appeal versus a readiness to play pro football? Well, I think, of, of course, it's just human nature. It's just a maturation process, you know, and it's, it's very unique from the standpoint of college to pro than it is once they're in pro. Now, very, very seldom will you see guys that are drafted that really develop tremendously in the pros. Now, there's been a couple of guys that I've drafted that have been in their 20s, like an Alex Smith, and I drafted him. He was 20 years old coming out. So he's just a pup, you know, where a lot of these guys – especially with the pandemic situation. A lot of these guys nowadays are at least 22, 23 coming out. Some are 25 and 26, which, you know, I was always told 27s when males physically develop fully after 27s when testosterone starts dropping, whatever doctors say, which I don't know if it's true or not, but I agree with it because they're doctors. But I think for me, I, I first identify talent off of their tape maybe as a sophomore, as a junior in college, okay? Um, and I bet you eight to nine out of ten of those guys as D linemen and O linemen lack physical strength to play in the NFL. Now, you could line up and function, but, like, to play, like, a starter-type role in the NFL as an O lineman, D lineman, I bet you 80 to 90% of the guys that come out of college, especially a year early or two years early, are underdeveloped physically. Now, everybody thinks that's lifting weights. You know, well, he did 225 30 times. That's not football strength. That, that's, that's, that's weightlifting strength, which is great if you're going to be pushing like an old lineman, you know, from your chest out or a D lineman from your chest out. But a lot of the strength is just God-given. It's like, it's like quickness, speed, intelligence, reaction times. Um, a lot of physical is God-given. And, you know, you can – you've seen these world – strength strongest men in the world you never see them playing football you know ever um and a lot of them will tell you they, they can't they're, they're they're not good enough athletes to do it you know but they can lift you know 800 pounds which is totally phenomenal um but i think for the positions it it, it, it wavers but i know for o-line and d-line with me i identify in the fall watching tape i bet you eight to nine out of ten of my reports i write on o-linemen especially o-linemen I say needs to improve overall strength or needs to improve overall base, which means base is through his hips and his thighs and his hamstrings and his lower body, just playing solid. Like when you run into them, some guys, you can't move. They're just thick, you know, and heavy, you know, thick density. And then there's other guys you run into and you knock them off track right away. That's God given. You know, I've had friends where I'd wrestle and we're the same weight and I can't move them. You know, as there guys, they're the same weight as me that I have wrestled, I can just dominate. You know, so there's a leverage balance to it. There's an instinct to it. And it's a God-given fact to it. Um, you know, but it's O-line and D-line, it's very important. That, that play strength, that natural human strength to line up early in their career and play in the NFL, they have to have it. Otherwise, they'll just get dominated. You know, and that's why it takes some of these cats a year to two years, sometimes three years, to develop at those big big man positions, as we call big body positions, just because they they can't line up strength wise yet, you know. And some of that strength stuff comes from just instincts. No one like as a wrestler, you feel leverage. You know when a D lineman is trying to spin on you to spin back inside if you're an old lineman, you know. And that's just not so much strength to control them. 
that's just the instinct to get back in front of him, you know, and, and show that you have a good base because he can't move you because you, you're staying square the whole time. Well, that's just knowing angles, you know, that's just feeling the leverage. And that adds to your strength, you know. So there's a lot of different measurements, and especially nowadays with all this analytics about, you know, you can measure the size of their knee, you know, when they're 21, and they'll, t- they'll tell you they're going to grow two more inches and gain another 20 pounds. Well, I don't believe any of that stuff. Um, I think, every, you know, everybody's wired different. Everybody's got different genetics. And, you know, there's some reason there's Olympics, and some people can make it, some people can't. You know, and I'm telling you, majority of it's just God-given uh, instincts, strength, quickness, athleticism, natural toughness. It's just, it's you can't put your finger on it, but you can definitely see it on tape. Because the good players out of college, they dominate. And that's what you look for, especially on the lower levels, just pure domination. Like, you know, a brother playing against a two-year-old or two-year younger brother, the two-year-old brother better dominate. That's what you look for in the football from a strength standpoint. But a lot of guys don't have it. You know, now they'll develop it to be good enough to be, we call it functional strength. He's functionally strong throughout his body. But there's some guys like uh, Pene Sewell came out a couple of years ago. I mean, ju- it's just amazing. It's a man versus boys, you know, on the college level. Of course, that changes on the NFL level, but it's just what God gave him, like his brother this year, gave him so much power and explosion in their body. They don't know what to do with it sometimes. It's just, it's very unique. Do you think we've lost something in the increasing trend in the league to start rookies immediately then? Because in the past, the rookies would perhaps get a bit more time to develop physically and mentally, and especially at quarterback. We see these players uh-huh. often rushed in before they're ready these days. Uh-huh. Well, see, I, I, I got both examples. When I was in Seattle, my first year, we drafted Alex, the first pick overall, Alex Smith. And, you know, I talked to the coaches, the ownership, everything prior to the draft, many, many months before the draft. And our game plan was no matter what, no matter what, he will not see the field his rookie year. The guy's 20 years old. He comes from a spread system. You know, it's Utah, Urban Meyer. <clears throat> the guy never even called a huddle. Not even in coffee in high school did he ever call a huddle. You know, so you got to realize that stuff. But I've been on the other end of it, too, with Russell Wilson in Seattle, where he started as a rookie. And that's phenomenal because we didn't force it. He earned it. He won it. But now you got a rookie contract. So now we go out and sign two D, D linemen during the season and free agency or trade for them because we got, we got the uh, cap space because of the, the great rookie contract on a quarterback. And we made the number one defense in the NFL. Hell, we won the Super Bowl. Now, Russell was our quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But our defense and special teams won the Super Bowl for us, won the playoffs for us, you know. But Russell was a quarterback. But, see, everybody wants to start the young quarterback because of the, uh, the uh, contract situation. You know, because you go other ways in free agency or you can make trades and you can go get an Odell Beckham who's on the street right now or whatever because you got the money to do it. You know, but you can't force the issue either because we've seen that in our first year in San Fran. We had to play outs because we had our, our, our three quarterbacks got hurt, you know, and I so he had no choice to line them up. And it was awful, you know, and he got his butt just handed to him because so, we weren't a good team. We had the first picks. We had a bad offensive line. We had really no running game at the time. So. What you want to do, you want to play early, but also you can't force the issue at any position, but especially quarterback, you know. But that contract stuff, and owners see that, and they see how we did in Seattle, and they, they're like, wow, we're going to do it that way, or you can do it like like the Rams did it and buy it, buy free agency, but now you're paying for it. You know, Sam, there's Tampa Bay, who I work with, is paying for it because of Brady, but they also won a world championship because of it, you know, so – but people want a quarterback on a rookie deal. Of course, everybody does. But it's, it's as you're well aware, it's hard to come by. Very. 
I wanted to read this quote to you. I thought it was a, I thought it was a very interesting quote from John Schneider, funnily enough, uh, last week. He said, oh. you have to be able to project where a player's going. You can't just look at here's A, B, and C, and that's part of the game. You have to be able to say, here's A, B, and C. What's it going to look like at X, Y, and Z? Where are they going to be? That's the study. That's the art. That's the projection that's involved. So I wanted to ask you, Scott, how much is projection and therefore scouting a bit of an art form? And is it something that you've just got to have that that talent or an eye for decision making to make inspired decisions? Well, I think I, I think honestly, I think a lot of it is just doing a lot of a lot of hard work, um, and also knowing your team, knowing your coaching staff, not only your coordinators and your head coach, but your position coach, what they're looking for, what what's their ideal outside linebacker, height, weight, speed, you know, what's you know. Is there a cutoff line where he's too short or is 40 times too slow? You know, because everyone's built different, like I said, you know. But there's also the thing that's unique about it, which I think, you know, I was told by Ron Wolf, who my first boss with Green Bay, was that college personnel is a lot tougher than pro personnel because on pro personnel, you're doing good versus good when you're watching tape. You know, it might be, you know, say – Atlanta Falcons who have a bad record versus, you know, Kansas City, you're still going to see a heck of a game by football players. You know, now the score might end up being totally different, but you're going to see good football ball by both sides. College-wise, you might go into CU, Colorado University, after three weeks of the season, then they might have played North, Northern Colorado, Colorado State, and Western State Colorado. So you're watching them again. It's much lesser competition. And that's what I was saying earlier about pure domination the good players will dominate those games physically, athletically, uh, watching tape, watching live. You just know who the best player is. He stands out. It's simple to see, you know, but then there's other guys where you have to foresee, say I'm, say I'm watching a kid from Winston-Salem State, smaller school, say he's no lineman, say he measures, as a junior going to the senior, say he was six, five and a quarter, 285 pounds, both verified. Okay, so that, that's pretty cool. You know, now you, you worry about the substance. You worry about the strength already because he's, he's a tall, narrow guy, you know, for football. Now you go and look at him physically and, and, and in your own mind, you're like, wow, shoot, he, he's 285 last spring. He was 20 years old. Okay, so now he's 21. He looks 300 to me. Now this guy might have, you know, a year from now might be 320, you know, so you got to kind of see that. And it's not just on the one person to see it, but the first person needs to identify, listen, I know he, he measured 6'5", 280 last year. But he's going to measure 6'5 this year. He's going to measure 310. And everybody's like, wow. So he's gained 25 pounds. Is it good weight, bad weight? And all of a sudden you say it's good weight. Now you got something. Now, now your gut's telling you, whoa, this kid's growing. He's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. He just gained 15 pounds from last year to this year. What's going to happen in the following year? And if it's good weight, now now you got a prospect that's legit. It's just not adding bad fat, you know, pizza, beer weight. It's adding muscle. It's adding, you know, he's doing everything right. His diet, all that stuff. So you can see it's important to him. So that starts your portfolio, just building a picture of him, you know. And there's usually, you can, you know, once you're in the league three to four years, which I think starts hurting scouts more and helps them, you start comparing them to guys you scouted three or four years ago. You know, like I might say, well, he reminds me of Anquan Bolden, who came out 20-some years ago. Well, a lot of scouts nowadays only know who the Anquan Bolden is, you know, but people that know NFL know it, but you compare them, which is great because it gives the GM or the director an idea of what you've seen as player. But like I said earlier, no two players are ever the same, no matter what, no matter. They might have the exact same height, weight, speed, arm length, hand size, shuttles, all that. But 
half the stuff when it comes down to it is what they have upstairs, you know, between between their ears. You know, that's that's what makes an average player good, a good player great, and a great player special. Physical skills are there. All NFL players have it to a certain extent. It's the mental, you know, and you, you try to get in their mental. That's why the combine is so important. The all-star games are so important because you get to sit down with them with a face-to-face, you know, really for the first time. And you start trying to figure these guys out because you can see the talent. Anybody can identify talent. You got to identify the person, which plays into half of the prospect you're getting when it's said and done. So you try to get in their head. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not nothing like that. I just try to figure out, are they a real guy's guy? You know, will they fit in the locker room? Will they fit in the meeting room? Will they fit around the veterans? Will they fit around the young guys? You know, that type of stuff. So there's millions of angles that go into it. And that's why it's such an inexact science because People think they can identify it. Hell, I've been with teams. We brought two psychiatrists to, to the combine, sat in our interviews with the players. They did. They couldn't figure them out. You know, and they're, they're supposed to be professionals. <laughs> you know, they're like, these guys are messed up. Well, yeah, they're NFL football players. They're going to be. Yeah, they're screwed up. <laughs> they, they live for contact. <laughs> they live to hurt people. <laughs> you know, so there's many attributes go into it. But a gut feeling, the good, I think the good area scouts, you know, first and foremost, 100%, they got to bust their tails. But second of all, it's just kind of like a, a player has. It's like a natural instinct that I think the good ones can identify traits that other scouts can't. A lot of it comes to just being around and experience and being around successes and failures and why did so-and-so succeed when he didn't work out well, but so-and-so was the number one tester. He can't get on the field because there's so much goes into the football aspect of it, not just the athleticism aspect. Generally, when you're looking at a quarterback, what are you actually looking for, Scott? Well, the thing about it is that your first exposure to them is always tape or practice or a game live because you, you don't really touch underclassmen until you need to, you know, because you got enough seniors coming out or draft eligible players coming out each year. That'll keep you busy at that school that day. But, you know, so your, your first exposure usually is, is game, you know, either practice, game live or tape, you know, of course, live. So you get out that with a quarterback. I always look for First and foremost, I want to find out from the coaches before I start watching them, what kind of leader is he? You know, is, is he the alpha? Does, in the offseason, does he line up meetings? Does he get guys together to throw, to have beer parties, to pizza parties, whatever? Is he the alpha? Do, do guys attract to him? If he goes to a party, do people want to be around and type guy? So that's first and foremost. Then, you know, on tape, always look for from the get-go. I, I don't care how big they are. I don't care about their stats, any of that. I want to see them drop back on third downs, third on passing situations, and just see their presence, see their feet. Are they really anxious with their feet? Meaning, they're, are they always moving their feet like they can't get settled? Or they drop back, five-step, put the put foot in the ground, boom, progressing from one to two to three. Got action going around them, pass rushers, blitzing, whatever coming after them. And just see a guy that can stay in there and see and be poised, you know, not duck when he throws, not bend down, worry about getting hit. But a guy will stand in the pocket and make the throw with the linebacker coming down on him on a blitz, you know, and, and stride and, and step into the throw and make it. I think that shows presence. That shows toughness. It shows competitiveness. And it shows being a damn good teammate because you're giving yourself up for the other 10 guys on the field and everybody on the sideline, you know, that's on your team. So I think if you can find a guy, like there's one this year, I'm not going to say who, but it just controls the game from the pocket with his eyes, with his patience, with his poise. The play's never over. You always think he's going to make the play when he's outside the pocket. It's just one of those gut feelings. It's like, wow, 
something good's going to happen here where with other guys in this draft, they get outside the pocket, anything can happen. They might throw it in the stands. They might throw it 15 yards short. They might throw it right to the other team. But you can see that they're never relaxed in the pocket. It doesn't feel natural. But when you watch the good ones, it's just like a Sunday walk for them. They stay in the pocket. There's guys going behind them, guys coming from their left. They just stand in there and they're, they're focused on progressing from one to two to three and making the play. And that shows up in tape pretty quick because, you know, you can see first and second out. Second and two, you and I can be a good quarterback because it's going to be play action. Someone's going to be open. The tight end's going to be open. The back's going to be open in the flat, whatever. But on third third downs, when the defense knows you're throwing and everybody in the stadium knows you're throwing and you've got to throw to make the first down, that's why I, I like to start with those plays and watch those. And that doesn't make him a, a first-rounder or seventh-rounder, but that gives me a good idea. This guy's got some balls because you have to be in the NFL to play quarterback. People don't understand. Well, he only got sacked four times that game. Yeah, but he got knocked down 12. You know, I mean, he's hurried 14 times. Twice on the sideline, he got knocked down. So he, all of a sudden, he gets a 20 knockdowns. For any player, running backs, their careers last three years because they touch the ball 20 times a game. These quarterbacks, we expect to play 10 to 15. You know, so you got to have that toughness, you know, and it's not just go out and fight tough. It's just inside, I call it inside fortitude. What's in your gut? What's inside you that's going to make you on that fourth down, make the play where the other kid wants to tap out, you know? Again, that goes back to identifying the football player, you know, but with quarterbacks, I think first and foremost, you need to see poise. You don't want somebody that's, you know, and I love him to death. And I was part of the draft and we took him Baker Mayfield, who I think still going to be a good pro, you know, consistently, but he just gets so strung up. He's like a D lineman on third and eight, every play he's coming off the edge rushing to get to the quarterback. Well, he's doing that quarterback to the players. Well, they get anxious in the huddle. Then all of a sudden the quarterback's like, you know, not panicking, but hyper, you know, high strung, the players around him feed off that. Or if you get a guy in the pocket like a Peyton Manning, it's just like, hey, easy, guys. We got this. You know, Aaron Rodgers, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. It's third and eight. I, I know exactly what we're going to do. Now, all of a sudden, you go to the line of scrimmage, the whole offense feels good. The sideline feels good. The, the up, upstairs in the press box feels good because they feel he's going to make a play because he's done it so many times. Where the other guy, it's like 50-50. It's like, well, it could be a 70-yard run for a touchdown. Holy smokes. Then it might be a pick six, too. You know, you never know. So you want to figure out that the guy's consistent, the guy's the leader, the guy can control the chaos. It's like organized chaos at the line of scrimmage, you know, because there's so much going on mentally for those cats. You know, you're trying to identify what defense you're in. Do we need to audible? Let me go play it from run to pass, pass to run. Okay, this remember last time this, this safety blitzed on this play. You know, so all it's going through. But, yeah, you expect them to still get the ball off with the clock. You expect them to make the play. You know, that's why it's such a unique position. That's why it's so hard to find. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is how do you determine character as an executive? How do you balance out risk versus reward? How does a GM gather information during the course of a player's career? And I guess that could go all the way back to high school to determine whether you trust someone enough to sort of bring them into your building, especially with a high pick. It, it, it's very tough. But again, that's why it's so freaking important. And I won't say any names. There's a player this year that's highly, highly, highly talented at a position that's hard to find. And, you know, I've been there before. Lucky enough, I've been running NFL long enough to do this. Bad enough, I've done it a few times. I've taken that player. And I learned early, and I didn't listen to it because I, I, the talent outweighed the character. But my first boss told me, if you make one exception – you'll end up with a team of exceptions. And I never understood what that meant until I got older. 
it's not just from a height, weight, speed. It's like a small quarterback. If, if you can take a 5'10 quarterback with the first top, say, top 10 pick, you'll be the first one in NFL history to ever do it, to ever have success. Okay, well, there's always going to be a first. But is that going to be you? You know, or are you going to make a mistake by going against the odds of the NFL? Same thing with character. You know, everybody makes mistakes. I've made many of them. It's the ones that keep making the same mistake over that really worry you. Because then you, then you got a pattern, you know, and a lot of times, you know, you got to remember, it's not the kid himself. It's a situation he grew up in. And the one kid I'm talking about, I know for a fact, grew up in a real gang infested house, neighborhood, and was raised in, in the gangs. And that's, that's all he knows, you know, and, and be like where you were raised. That's all kind of, you know, until a certain age, you know, that's just, it's what's common in your mind of seeing every day what goes on. Then you throw these cats in a situation where they are people like us. They're used to it because they're coaches in college and that stuff, and good universities, and they try to make them. Man, I get all that, but it's the it's the guys that you got to find out who they run with, who's their who's their people. Say you draft them. Say you know, I remember drafting Frank Gore out of Miami. He he thought Seattle was part of Alaska. I mean, he didn't even know any better, you know. So you bring these guys to an environment that they're so far away from. It's not even funny. So you got you got you got to play that into it too. How are they going to adjust a kid from the southeast growing up in the northwest? Well, he'll be fine. You know, hell, he's making millions of dollars. No, you can't think that because they're just kids. You know, mentally, majority of them are just kids in adult bodies. You know, very gifted adult bodies physically. That they're still making mistakes. So you, you got to identify. Was it a one, two time thing? Like say two positive tests over three years. That doesn't bother me, you know, if it's weed. Now, if they're doing coke and meth and stuff like that, that's a huge red flag. But if it's weed, I'm fine with it. A DUI, don't get me wrong, I don't agree with it, but, but I'm fine with that. That doesn't make a bad kid, you know. Now, if all of a sudden he has, he has, you know, two positive tests, he has two sus other suspensions that you can't figure out what they're for, which you got to realize it's either because of the drinking or smoking or whatever, or missing meetings or late to meetings or, you know, not doing right in practice or in school or whatsoever, something's pulling away from just that. But it, the, the, it's so important because like I said earlier, my wife and I can sit here and she can tell me who the best player on tape is while we're watching because he'll score two touchdowns. She'll be like, wow, look how big he is. That's easy. Okay. Well, what kind of guy is he again? What makes him go from average to good, good to great, great to special? And it's what's inside him. What makes him tick? It's what's in their soul. It's what's in their mind to make them that. And you try so hard to get to it. And you think you know him. But I always told my guys, if you know over 50% of the person as a person that we draft, you're held nervous now. Because a lot of the teams that go into this, they might know 25% of the person and think they know them. If, if you know at least 50 and that's just 50 percent of a person. I think that's great, you know, because you really only have a year to two, possibly three years to try to get to know these guys. You can't talk to them face to face the majority of the time. You just got to talk to coaches, and counselors and teammates about them, you know, so you try and try and try. And that's why there's, there's this rush at the combine to talk to everybody. Well, you're only allowed to talk to 60, you know, so you got to narrow down to 60 you want. Then you got to fly guys in like right now the people are doing flying guys in for, for visits for a one day visit just to figure them out. And, Majority of the time, the guys you bring in for the 30 visits are guys that might have red flags or small school guys. You want to see how long it's going to take them to adjust to the real football NFL world, you know. So you're always you're always trying to, like I said, you get people involved and you try to get all these analytics and all these psychiatrists and like psychologists and all this stuff involved. 
when it's all said and done, it comes down to it. Is the guy, is he a good dude? He's a good dude. You can work with him. Now he's going to have issues and he's going to have family issues. And that's not his fault. It's where he grew up from, but will he work with you? And does he know right from wrong? You know, then you're going the right direction, but still, and you see these guys get arrested. And nowadays it's just treacherous with all the social media because the kids back in the day are no different than the kids nowadays. It's just written nowadays. So everybody thinks, oh, you know, that guy's a bad person. He was involved in this and that. Well, we don't know the whole story. We know what the media says, but we don't know exactly was he there? Wasn't he there? What went on? Why was he there? You know, type of stuff. So you're always searching. And that's why you make the pick. Everybody's like, that's a great pick. Everybody thinks it is, you know, but you never really, really know until you get them in your building and get around them for a couple months. Then you start seeing their work ethic, their passion for the game, their passion for their teammates, their passion for the coaches, you know, the community, you know, because you want all that stuff to be involved, especially in the higher picks. But it's hard. That's why mistakes are made. You get some bad apples out there. They just can't change. They don't mean you give them money. How are they going to change when they don't have money and they're bad? You give them money, they're going to be worse. Because the guys they run with, you know, the people they run with.